Welcome to our discussion segment on The Great Death. I'm John Streeter. And I'm Joe Parker. Let's get started. Joe, I don't quite have the words for this uh, episode. This is by far the most depressing one we have ever done. Definitely is not a high point in history. Yeah, my goodness. I think we needed a uh, some kind of a disclaimer at the beginning in case there were little kids listening to the uh, yeah, uh, to the opening. But mental note for next time. Well, yeah. I mean, but great job as always. You captured the essence of uh, thank the you. horrors of this of this. Well, period. I don't know if I should thank you. I just it, well, I don't. I don't even have the words. Actually, it's just uh, it's a unbelievable. Oh yeah, time in history. Put and it, oh, sorry. I'm sorry. No. Put it into modern perspective. We're, there are about seven and a half billion people here today. What would that kind of death toll be like today? Well, I think a better way to say it. So in Indianapolis, like city as a whole, imagine half of the people at least gone. Yeah. And so that's what three billion people worldwide. Just again, for just to get like yeah. the biggest number possible, we're talking about one in two people. Yeah. In your family, in your local community, dead. Right. That, I mean, not just not is. just dead, but horribly oh, yeah. dead. I mean, my gosh, I, it's you read about it in, in horror books. Yeah, I, I know There's that a part of me. Every time you said the infected, I would thought back to World War Z, and then I yeah, I reprimanded I thought about that myself too. for that. I thought about that no, too. Like is, a great this really happened. This was not a, a funny you yeah know, book. A great work of fiction was actually The Stand by King, mm-hmm. that where he t- talks about the super flu that kills like ninety nine percent of the world's population. You get a sense of he does a great job of the societal breakdown in that book, and you think about this happened. I mean, this it wasn't 99%, but it was a enough of a percentage where people were thinking, this is the end of the world. Yeah, and that leads kind of into my, into my first question. Actually, before I get into that, we picked this topic before COVID, didn't we? So we this did. is not a response to it's COVID. It's not a response to COVID. Like yeah, okay. Yeah. First question really kind of tied to, like, this is the end of the world. Was there a sense in pick any random town in Central Europe of this is not just happening here. This is a not global, but this is happening all across Europe, Asia, North Africa. Or did they think this was a local phenomenon and this was just the end of their world? So as the blight, I'll call it, advanced, people were talking about it. So obviously there wasn't like mail back then, the way that it's sent now. There obviously wasn't technology right. like we we have now. So as much, as fast as word of mouth could travel in specific regions where uh, the blight was headed, people were talking about it. So someone in Hamburg would know that this is happening in Florence too. This is not just a localized yeah, phenomenon. And, and I think that there was a sense that people believed that there was an illness, but they maybe thought thought the exaggeration was there when people described its effects so when it finally hit it's like your worst nightmare coming true so not only you know as i said in the podcast people are seeing that the doctors aren't able to do anything about this especially with some of the remedies they prescribed yeah we'll come to that yeah but you have the sense of like everything that i was possibly afraid of and downplayed as a result of what the news was passed to me is true Yep. And it's probably worse. So you have people panicking. I mean, a complete societal breakdown. Um, it's unreal. It is. Of the many articles I read about this, um, one of them did cite the fact that this plague was able to travel without what we would consider modern transportation. Oh, yeah. I loved how you brought that up at the yeah, end. Yeah, and it just it hit me. I was just like, oh my gosh, this is a contagion that it didn't matter what the time period was. It was spreading. And it wasn't until people actively said, okay... Well, we need to separate the infected as best we can from the healthy. Mm-hmm. That people realize this was a real thing. 
Were there what we would consider to be lockdowns like what happened in March and April, or was it more about quarantining the infected? Did they uh, well, lock down whole cities? Not in the way that we're doing it now, okay. because I think the way that we're able to do it now is dependent on the communication that we have Makes available. Yeah. So you may have small towns that said no one go anywhere, mm-hmm. but um, it was more about quarantining the people they believe to be infected or the people coming from areas that were infected that they could separate and say, hey, just hang out for a little bit because we're going to look for these 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 pus-filled sacks in your armpits and so on so which incidentally later on doctors realized if you lanced them that did actually help the survival rate yeah it's gross Gross. but it's draining out the infection yeah and so you have a the mortality rate still extremely high but you you do have the chance to Mm -hmm. to do that now some doctors now will say don't do that speaking of the symptoms i have heard it may be an old wives' tale. This could be something else that you know I got wrong. But that the uh, the nursery rhyme "Ring Around the Rosie" is actually a uh, it, it developed during the Black Plague because you had the the one of the first signs was kind of like a ring, almost like ringworm that you see, and people would carry around spices like posy in order to kind of mask the scent of death everywhere. Is that a later invention, or did that actually, as far as you know, happen during the plague that that people started singing that? And, or, or that those kinds of things were a reflection of what happened during the Black Plague, that we're singing to our children, you know, yeah. this So I can't speak to the, uh, yeah, I can't speak to the origin of that song, but I know that herbs were considered what a, a treatment. So they would, they would either keep herbs on their person or they would burn herbs or keep herbs mm-hmm. in a way that would put the scent out in a home, believing that... Um, it would kill whatever was in the air. That, yeah, because they believe in miasma, bad air, which is what was exactly. causing the spread. Isn't that why you had those plague masks that had those like super long noses? They would put, they would pack the nose with all kinds of spices. Yeah, to ca- try and kill that. Yeah, I, yeah, I think also it really you see that in a lot of the plague artwork. Mm-hmm. It just it really embodied what they considered the plague to be. Yeah. So. I understood some from from the medieval standpoint of believing in the various humors that exist in the body, the combination of, of earth and fire and, and water and air as being, you know, that's what makes us up. And so if we, if we try and lower your body heat or we, you know, we bleed you or something like that, that supposedly that was going to solve the thing. Why cut up the pieces of a pigeon and rub them all over your body? Because that one doesn't make a whole, I mean, all, none of them make sense, but from a modern standpoint, but why, why do that? You know, to be honest, I'm not sure. Okay. I, I think it makes about as... a pigeon? I mean, can well, it, a crow it, or a robin? Or? It makes about as much sense as drinking arsenic. Yeah. Um, which is poison. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I think everything that they had tried... To, this is going to sound weird, but to defend bloodletting oh a little boy, bit. Here we go. Yeah. So some bacteria takes its supply of strength from mm-hmm. iron in the blood. So if you bloodlet... There's less blood in the body and therefore less iron. So sometimes, depending on the type of bacteria, it would respond positively in the short term to that type of treatment. So I think that that's part of the reason why why it went on for so long was that some people actually either it helped them a little bit Interesting. or or here's probably the more prominent reason it was they bloodlet someone whose body was able to fight off the infection right. and so there was this perceptive or this perception that this treatment actually is effective going but, back to medical precedent we see it works once, exactly so work with everyone exactly and bloodletting actually dates back to ancient egypt oh, yeah. and where the doctors back then believed you have a specific amount of substances in your body and if they get out of balance you get sick Mm-hmm. And so it was 
a very archaic way to see it. And again, it was based on past experience, which is in essence the way doctors treat things now sure. in terms of let's look and see what the pathology is historically in humans or in people yeah. and and treat it accordingly based on what has happened in the past. Mm-hmm. The difference the difference now is that we have the technology and we have the ability to understand that germs cause infections yeah. uh, and there are viruses and like yeah, yeah. And, and so on. So we have this added knowledge that we're drawing from and we're able to discredit a lot of those older untrue theories. Yeah. So we're not just cutting people's arms open and letting them bleed and exactly because I mean the problem I was talking about in defense of that treatment um, the opposite argument stronger much stronger argument stronger argument making this clear is that when you drain the blood you make the body weaker and less likely to fight an infection Mm. And medical precedent kind of leads right into my next my next question. You talk you had that quote from uh, from a French chronicler about how doctors basically have to be able to lie, they have to be able to kill, and things like that. At what point in medical history? Because I'll confess I don't know. I haven't studied the history of medicine all that much. At what point did doctors become so respected like they are today? Because it seems like for a very long period of time, doctors. If you saw a doctor come into your house, it was like, well, okay, I guess this is it. It's time to shuffle off this mortal coil. Yeah, <laughs> I I think it really depends on the time period. Yeah. So if you're talking about a doctor in the 30s, uh, that's obviously going to be a different perception than a doctor in the Civil War. Right. Um, so soldiers hatchet and knife. Hatchet and yeah. saw yeah. to saw off a limb because they didn't have any way to treat gangrene or mm-hmm. a, a shot wound. So I, I think it, rather than... Um, it being like a clear cutoff, I think it really depends on the time period. Okay. So I, I think obviously after the medical community started to have more successes with germ theory and understanding it and how to treat it, obviously antibiotics and other treatments that were proven over time consecutively to have an effect on illnesses, mm-hmm. you saw that opinion change. But I mean, historically, overall, the doctor in a community or on a ship or wherever was highly respected. Really? Yeah. I mean, it just really depended on what the ailment was. Yeah. Um, Some doctors actually did look at the pathology of a disease. So whether it was in like in pioneer days when somebody had a fever, there were, there are the, there are writings where doctors are saying, okay, we need to break the fever. This person needs to drink water. This is a, you know, versus other doctors are just like, they didn't bloodlet at the time, but they just said, you just need sleep, which is true. You do need sleep. So, I mean, with notable exceptions, I think that profession has been highly regarded. So you talked about how there was there were these huge population shifts as people are fleeing first the Mongols um, and by the way did did Tolkien steal the image of bodies being thrown over walls for for what he included in Lord of the Rings? Do you I don't know th- if there was a well stealing it from history? Right, yeah, stealing, stealing from, from this probably not. Okay. I think that's been a standard practice in Has a lot it? of uh, whether you were the Assyrians or the the Babylonians. Did Alexander do that as well? Alexander the Great? I don't know. But so this this population shift was that continent wide, or was it mostly people from the east fleeing the Mongols and the early stages of the pandemic coming into the west? It came in two stages. So you had people fleeing the Mongols, and then you had f- people fleeing the plague. 
I think there are people obviously fleeing the Mongols for obvious reasons, which we talked about in this past season. Yeah. Great podcast. I think from the plague, again, you have the word of mouth that something bad is coming. And there's actually artwork that shows like as a mist or, mm-hmm. you know, to your point, bad air. Yeah. Going over the continent of Europe. You have people starting to migrate as a result of that. I mean, in, there's, there's a sense, I think, in larger cities where there was um, a level of security that people felt from stuff like that, mm-hmm. where it's like, it's not going to happen here. I live in, in the Marseille. I live in Paris. It may not be as bad here because maybe it's a, a rural thing, you know. But uh, it And then it comes to your city. Then and it comes, and changes. it's worse than you expected. Yeah. That's something I really want to emphasize. I mean, you, you talked at the beginning, or you were asking me about how to put that in modern perspective. I, imagine, okay, so you and I are recording uh, here, and imagine there being a pile of bodies out in the street mm-hmm. on fire. And more bodies being added to it around the clock. So bring out your dead from Monty Python was literally what was happening across the entire continent. Exactly. Yeah. And these are... Man. And it's everywhere. Yeah. It's everywhere. And there's nowhere to run. And so you have a disease that's affecting every person, whether you're old or young or healthy or unhealthy. Everyone is dying. And you have nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. And you have no answers and you have no treatment. And so that I can't fed it, what that does to the human psyche. Well, that's that's one of the reasons why people people like lost their minds. Yeah. I mean, you go to these insane reasons, and some of them were worse than the plague, like uh, annihilating Jewish communities. Yep. That's beyond evil and terrible. It's the effect of first of all people having those anti-Semitic views, but so that's the first problem. Yeah. But it's also the insanity of the time. I mean, you talked about World War Z earlier, mm-hmm. okay? You know, and we've talked about it on the podcast because it's a great book. I've read it like a hundred times because it's great. It's it does a great job of of showing the how society downgrades. But with something like that, okay, let let's think about sci-fi. We think zombies, popular genre. Yeah, there's always a way to kill them, right? Yeah, I think in World War Z, right. nerd hat, they use a round <laughs> called a cherry pie, oh, which go. which burns the brain. And suddenly they're not infectious anymore. So there's something that you can see, that you can stop, exactly. and you can put it into this. You can't see it. You can't stop it. And it's killing everything. Mm-hmm. It's killing everything. And there's nothing you can do. And mm-hmm. so that all the news said the same thing. And everything you're reading and hearing is saying the same thing. And so what are you left with? You're left with, okay, I'm. this is punishment from God. So how do I get in, get back into his good graces and again? So they're, they're beating Whipping themselves, themselves torturing themselves, cutting themselves. Gosh. There's uh, some people, as I said in the podcast, who thought this is a blessing. I get to be a martyr. Mm-hmm. I can't put it into words. Yeah. It's something that we talk about. It's something like, oh, yeah, the bubonic plague. And it wasn't the bubonic plague. It was those three plagues. But, I mean, really putting it into perspective, we talk about the pandemic, which is a real thing, and it's affected and killed people. Take that where the infection rate is so unbelievable. You said 80%. That was the the least virulent of the three or the least deadly. And it kills 80% of the people it infects. This is not to downplay anything happening now, but it does grant perspective on what we're going through now versus what happened What's out there? Right. Potentially. And it's it's still there. I mean, this... But we have treatments now, thank God. We do. But it can still kill you if it's not treated in time. We talked last week, or I mentioned in the podcast, the book City of God and how that kind of shifted people's focus from this world and the suffering of this world to the eternal world. Do you know if 
because we talk about the corruption of, of the church and the corruption of society and people are, are doing horrible things to themselves, was there any message of hope from religious leaders, from political leaders that it's going to be okay, that you know of? Or was it just literally kind of a, you might call a mass media, not in the modern sense, but in the sense of what they had, this is the end. Was there anyone trying to say either we're going to get through this or at least there's the promise of eternal rest or eternal life in heaven or anything like that? So I think that when there's this type of degradation in society as a result of something like this, there is probably at the beginning that that corruption is more prominent yeah. because like how can we take advantage of this? I'm glad you asked about it because what I don't want to do is paint a broad brush with the entire church sure. d- like doing everything wrong. Oh, of that's, course. That's not what happened. That's happened. never what we want to do. R- here, right, yeah. right, right. So I think at the beginning, there were more inclinations to use it to someone's advantage or to a group's advantage, mm-hmm. whether it be like a local, local local segment of the church or the church as a whole. But as it affected the entire population, it became more about... Kind of we're all in this together? or Kind of, but it is does become more about, okay, well, the next life is better than this. Okay. I because there is hope there. Because there's no hope here. Yeah. There's none here. There is nothing we can do. Rivers filled with yeah. with corpses, which I didn't know. I mean, I've I've studied the Black Plague in the medieval period. I knew a lot of this stuff. I had never read anything about just people dumping bodies and just seeing these swarms of them. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Man. Okay. Was there eventually some kind of herd immunity, or what happened to this thing? It just burned its way across Europe in four years, and then it seems... Well, it, it recurred several times. Right. So just, just not so at the... It was the second wave, third yeah, wave. Third wave, fourth wave, right, right. So um, I, it was in the 1800s when they discovered where it actually came from. Right. But it, I think that more and more people got used to what happens when somebody has the plague. So a great example mm-hmm. is when a ship would be out at sea, they actually had a plague flag where they would fly it and oh, it would okay. signal other ships stay away from us. So that mentality of quarantining the sick, quarantining the sick became a staple staple way to treat, not treat, but um, address, uh, the, address plague. the plague and prevent its spread at that point. Okay. Is there any kind of natural immunity as far as you know to any of the three versions? Or if you get it, you're going to get sick. Whether you die or not is different, but you will have the symptoms so it depends on the strain okay. but for the bubonic plague the reason why it was an 80 percent mortality rate at its height was because uh there's still 20 percent of people who did survive it right so i think that there there is immunity that develops but bacterial immunity bacteria is going to still affect you so uh, versus like viral yeah gotcha so um that's why it still exists mm-hmm. like when we were talking about the spanish flu that was a viral strain that we did build up immunity to that the body created a defense for, and that's why it vanished. But you can't do that with the bacteria. I mean... Or it's less likely. Yeah, actually, yeah. And one of the challenges that we have with bacteria, as we talked about last season, is that bacteria is a living organism. It's more adaptive. More adaptive. So we're seeing a lot of the antibiotics that were created back in the 60s becoming less and less effective because the the bacteria is adapting. Mm-hmm. So I don't want anybody to panic hearing that because there, there's we're discovering other treatments for it. Right. That's one of the things that we're, we're challenged by is the bacteria continually evolves. Okay. You mentioned the uh, effect that this had on specifically the Jewish communities. Why did the, a lot of them um, move to Poland? What was different uh, about that? They were part accepted. Of... Okay. So the Polish yeah, they people... were, there was an open invitation almost. Really? Like, You're allowed to be here. Okay. 
Yeah. So there was no religious discrimination or anything. What was Not unique about Polish society? The ruler, he was, he was very open to having them there. Because Poland had the largest Jewish community prior to World War II. Was that as a result of the Black Plague? Did many of Part them of just it. stay there for so yeah. long? Yeah, I mean, yeah. word travels that this is a place yeah. where we're not going to be annihilated. Even six centuries later? Yeah. And then, then we're not going to be annihilated until Nazi Germany moves in. Right. And it's ironic that, that became a, it was a haven for the Jews, and then it became the center of the Holocaust six yeah. centuries later. That's yeah. unbelievable. How did, the, how did the plague affect warfare? Because as we talked about last week, warfare was one of the areas that really progressed, where we saw, saw progress in, in medieval society. What effect—it was a shorter plague in terms of out of a thousand years of four years. Did warfare basically stop for those four years? Because there were still crusades going on at that period. Um, so I'm sure that there were still like skirmishes, but not the large-scale invasions that, that we read about in the sense that they were continuing at the same pace. Mm-hmm. I think everyone, keeping in mind that everyone was affected, it slowed everyone down. So I think the intent with whatever campaigns were running at the time Mm -hmm. was scaled back a little bit. Yeah. Because again, I mean, the peasants were the only ones who thought it was the end of the world. The noble class did too, and the soldiers did too. It also did put a stop to the Sixth Crusade. The one in Egypt? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Dante's Divine Comedy was written before all of this. But the imagery that he conjured was so vivid. Do you happen to know if there's any kind of connection between, you know, people reading about the sufferings of hell and then walking out their front door and seeing piles of burning corpses and, and plague doctors dressed with those demonic looking masks? Did people, do you know if anyone thought like, oh my gosh, Dante's a prophet because we're now living in, you know, the seventh circle or the third circle or whatever of anything or anything like that. So I think with the clergy, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the peasantry, probably not, because okay. a lot of them couldn't read. True. So I think that maybe that did influence some of the discussions that the clergy were having with them mm-hmm. at the time. But overall, the populace wouldn't make that connection. Okay. So just to kind of summarize what, we've, what we can learn from the pandemic today— Two groups. What would be your advice first to the elderly and to the high risk, people who could genuinely get sick and potentially lose their life to COVID? What would be your advice to them in terms of learning the perspective of history, learning from the Black Death and applying it to today? And then your advice to younger people who maybe aren't high risk, who are more likely, based on the science and the data, to survive it. How could each of those two groups learn from what we've talked about today? I think broadly, you can look at the great death and compare it to what we're going through now and be thankful that it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. I think that that grants perspective for both groups and us. I mean, we're, we're kind of in between the, yeah. the, the, the groups. Well, one of us is, is approaching. <laughs> there it is. There, there it is. is. I was waiting for it. So I, I think... turned 40 earlier this year. I think that that is the, that is the importance, and we we're going to talk about this all season long. Oh, yeah. The importance of knowing history is having this kind of perspective. Because, folks, we don't have piles of bodies being burned in the streets. We just don't. God be praised. God be praised is right. We, we don't have that happening. And one of the reasons why we don't is because of what I talked about in the podcast at the end, that we can be thankful for what the medical community has advanced and what they have done over the past 100, 200 years. The advancements in medicine over the last just 100 years are unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I mean, from the standpoint of germ theory to creating vaccines to, I mean, to all kinds of things. I mean, polio, as an example, we pretty much non-existent now. Smallpox. Smallpox, yeah. So, 
I mean, all of these are great things that we can have a perspective with and we can be thankful for. And with that, we can understand that the science of this, we're still learning. And so con consistently what we've heard from doctors is that the older population is more vulnerable. So if you find yourself in that age group, you need to take the precautions that have been prescribed in order to stay safe because we, we don't want us for anyone to get sick. So yeah. face mask, if you want to stay away from large groups, all those things are important to know. And I think for the younger groups who are less affected, just be aware of who you're around. So if you're around a group that's a little bit more vulnerable, you probably want to wear a mask for a while. Even if you're at Walmart or at yeah. tar Target or something like that. I'm not going to tell people what to do, yeah. but I just thinking about your fellow citizens yeah yeah just just a, from a servant heart servant mindset how can i serve this person i don't know them but they're an elderly folk you know group uh, so how how can i how can i help them and the best thing the simplest thing is just, just to wear a mask more than likely the store you're in is going to require one anyway so depending on the state yeah yeah so the country yeah, yeah, yeah i mean so w with that in mind i think both groups including us can understand that you this mean is the old person in the yeah, room. Yeah, I can understand and should know that this is not the new normal, and that's something that personally I've been trying to think through and share with people who ask me. From a perspective of history, nothing ever stays the same. So we're not always going to wear masks. We are going to get back to regular life. It just may take a little bit more time. So with that in mind, being thankful for the advancements in um, the medical community and taking the precautions that we have to and understanding long-term this is going to improve, this is not the new normal, I think we can all gain a really good perspective of where we are now. Thank you for joining us in our discussion of The Great Death. I'm John Streeter. And I'm Joe Parker. Be sure to leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast. It really does help. Positive, negative, we'll take whatever you got. Thanks, and see you next week.